Thank you for joining me today here on Bible Studies with Russ. Today I'm sharing a sermon I did just this past week as we've been studying the book of Judges. This sermon uh, covers Judges chapter 2 and part of chapter 3. And this sermon is entitled, Prove Yourself. Hope you enjoyed this lesson from Judges 2 and 3, and we'll continue our study again next week. The lesson this morning comes from the book of Judges. Book of Judges. We'll begin by looking at Judges chapter 2 this morning. And we want to show this morning the importance of proving our faithfulness and loyalty to God. You ever been talking with someone and they tell you, well, I don't have to prove anything to you? In most instances, that is the case. That we don't have to prove anything to anyone. And when it comes to our faithfulness to God, we do have to, and we should want to, by our actions, prove that we are those who are striving to follow Him faithfully and follow Him fully. How does man prove himself? You know, we may try different things to prove ourselves to others. You know, sometimes men try to prove their quote-unquote manliness to others by doing various things and trying various feats. Many times, they really just end up looking really very foolish, to be honest. I remember watching a documentary where this man was trying to prove something to a friend in, in the weight room, and he ended up tearing his, his bicep because he was trying to prove something. What he proved was he wasn't really all that bright. That's all he really proved. But when we think about our spiritual stance before God, we want to be those who are willing to prove to God that we are striving to faithfully follow Him. And we want to begin by looking at Judges chapter 2. Now you'll notice this morning, I'm not going to have all the scriptures on here this morning, so you'll have to open up your Bibles and follow along with me. But in Judges chapter 2, and we're going to begin here, if you want to follow along with me, read verses 11 through 19 in Judges chapter 2. The Bible says, The children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and served, served Balaam. And they forsook the Lord God of their fathers, which brought them out of the land of Egypt, and followed other, God, other gods of the gods of the people that were around about them, and bowed themselves unto them, and revoked the Lord to anger. And they forsook the Lord, and served Baal and Ashtaroth. And the angel of the Lord was hot, excuse me, the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel. And he delivered them to the hands of the spoilers that spoiled them, and he sold them to the hands of their enemies round about. So they could no longer, so they could not any longer stand before their enemies. Whether whithersoever they went, when they went out, the hand of the Lord was against them for evil, as the Lord had said, and as the Lord had sworn unto them, and they were greatly distressed. Nevertheless, the Lord raised up judges who delivered them out of the hand of those who spoiled them, that spoiled them. And yet they would not hearken unto unto their judges. That they went out a whoring. As the King James says, after other gods and bowed themselves unto them, and they turned quickly out of the way which their fathers walked in, obeying the commandments of the Lord, but they did not do so. And, they, and when the Lord raised them up judges, and the Lord was with the judge, and delivered them out of the hand of their enemies all the days of, of the judge, for, for, it, for it repented the Lord because of their groanings by reason of them that oppressed them and vexed them. And it came to pass, when the judge was dead, that they returned and corrupted themselves more than their fathers, and following other gods to serve them. 
and to bow down unto them, they cease not from their own doings, nor from their stubborn way. God's wrath and his plans. Look at Judges chapter 2. We begin by looking at the reason for his anger. The reason for his anger. If you go back for just a moment, as we just read there a moment ago, verse 11 through 19 of Judges chapter 2. Notice what he says in verse 20. He says, And the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel. And he said, Because that this people have, have transgressed my covenant, which I commanded their fathers, have not hearkened unto my voice. So what were they doing? They were going against God. They had rebelled against God. You think about that today. When do we get upset with our children? When they don't listen to us as parents, right? And the same idea we find with God and with these people here in Judges chapter 2. Why was he upset with them? Verse 20 tells us it's because they had transgressed his covenants. They had broken God's law and they were disobedient. They were disobedient. We can pull it down to that. They were not doing what was right. They were not obeying God. We think about that today. When the people in a perfect world get in trouble with the law enforcement of today? When they break the law. Well, when do we get in trouble, we might say, to use that same sense, with God? When we go against his command. We find in verse 20, the Bible says they did not heed his voice. They did not listen to God. We might say that they ignored God's voice. They ignored his word. And as we pointed out many times before, the Bible remains the most, uh, you know, uh, the best-selling book of all time. It's been removed from the best-selling list of books a long time ago. And today, because of technology, we can even just get it for free. But yet, we still have those, despite how easily available the word of God is, who ignore the voice of God. When we say the voice of God, I'm not talking about God literally speaking to us in some miraculous sense. All I'm saying is, we're not listening to what He is telling us. We're not listening to His warning from His Word. We continue reading, we find next, we find God's plan that's going to be carried out in Judges chapter 2, beginning in verse 21 of Judges chapter 2. Notice what He says here. And he says, I also will, will not henceforth drive out any from before them of the nations which Joshua left when he died, that through them I may prove Israel whether they will keep the way of the Lord to walk therein as their fathers did keep it or not. Therefore the Lord left those nations without driving them out hastily, neither driving, drive, neither delivered them, neither delivered he them into the hand of Joshua. We find here as we look in verse this last part of this chapter, what was he doing? He's no longer going to drive out those nations from before them. Meaning, what's going to happen? That now we're going to find that those nations that were left are going to be used against them. And that was God's plan. That Joshua and others, those nations were left there. Well, now those nations that they have been really going along with in the first place, now they're going to become, we're going to find their, their enemies. God will no longer drive out the nations before them. He no longer fought for them. The Bible tells us his action was against them wherever they went. And that is because they were not listening to his, to his word. They were ignoring his verse, his word, his voice, rather, as we already mentioned back in verse 20. Now in verses 22 through 23, we find that instead he's going to use these nations to test them. He's going to use these nations to test them. Notice 
what he says here, going back to verse 22 of chapter 2. He says that through them I may prove Israel whether they will keep the way of the Lord to walk therein as their fathers did keep it or not. He will prove Israel. He's going to prove whether or not they're going to do what is right. Now today, if God, if we stood before the justice seat of Christ and Christ tells us to prove our our faith to him, can we go back and look at our life on a victory and say, see, there's the proof. Or will the screen be blank? Or instead would we feel the things that are quite different? You think about that at the end of proving there in verse 22. He wants to show that he wants them to prove that they're going to be loyal to him. Because he wants someone with you who's not really with you about that for a moment. In any endeavor, does it ever help if you have someone who's helping you, whose heart really isn't in it? They're not really doing anything. They're just kind of there. Sometimes we call this today, we call this the participation medal. For those who show up and they get that medal because they participated, even though they really didn't put forth much effort at all. You know, we find in the Bible, God doesn't give those out to anyone. On the day of judgment, you'll get a participation medal for sitting in the pew or for being a member, a member of one of the congregation for a number of years. You either get heaven as your home for all eternity because you're a faithful servant of God on the day of judgment, or you don't. That's all there is. There's no, you know, thanks for, for, for being there. It's faithfulness or not. And we find in verse 22, they're going to be, they're going to be used, these nations are going to be used to prove whether or not these individuals are going to be faithful to him. Look now at chapter 3 of Judges, and let's look at verses 1 through 4. And notice what he says here. Now these are the nations which the Lord left to prove Israel by them, even as many of Israel had, as had not known all the wars of Canaan, only the generation generations of the children of Israel might know to, to teach them war at the, at the least such as before knew nothing thereof. Namely, five lords, the Philistines, and all the Canaanites, and the Sidonians, and the Hivites that dwelt in Mount Lebanon from the Mount of uh, uh, Bethormon, rather, and unto, unto the entry of, of Hamoth. And verse 4 says, And they were to prove Israel by them to know whether they would hearken unto the commandments of the Lord, which he commanded their fathers by the hand of Moses. And so all this was done to, to prove whether or not they're going to listen to the law of God. There in verses 1 through 4 of chapter 3. God leaves these nations to test them. They would have to prove themselves to want to follow God completely. Notice also he talks about them knowing war. What's that reference to? They wouldn't know peace. Not until they came back to God. You know, think about this for a moment. Do we today, I could hit myself do we today know true peace if we're not with God? We can know prosperity in the sense of in the worldly sense. We can know wealth, we can know those kinds of things. But what I like to point out to people is we really find out how happy we are when we put our heads in our pillows at night and everything is quiet and we think about whether or not we really are happy where we are today. When the noise fades and the TVs are off and all the entertainment goes away and all our friends leave, are we happy with where we are? We can be content with material things, but true happiness goes beyond that, doesn't it? 
it goes beyond and it goes into looking at, am I truly feeling, getting fulfillment from these things? And as I've mentioned many times before, Hollywood is a good example of that. Those who have so much and yet they keep looking for fulfillment. And we can go on and look at various instances in the media and things such as that. But we're going to notice that true happiness and fulfillment and peace comes only from following God. Look now, as we, as we go back to chapter 3, how the people embraced their enemies and how they even entered married with them in verses 5 and 6 of Judges chapter 3. Notice what he says here. And the children of Israel dwelt among the Canaanites, Hittites, and Amorites, and Perizzites, and Hivites, and Jebusites. And they took their daughters to be their wives and gave their daughters to, to their sons and served their gods. Do you notice any time... It's not referring to the one true God, the little g is used. You know why that is? Because it's a phony God. It's not real. It doesn't exist. If men want to worship a God that is not the one true God, they have to create it in their minds. They have to either mold it from stone, or, you know, create it from stone, from, from wood, from, from gold, or silver, whatever it is. They have to build those, that God themselves. But what's interesting sometimes, if we're not careful, we realize that the God we serve is actually the same one we're looking at in the mirror every single morning. That's ourselves. That as long as we give what we want, we're happy, then our God is ourself, isn't it? If we're not putting God first and wanting to serve Him, and maybe we don't have a little trinket that is our God that we serve, but friends, if it's not the one true God of the Bible, rest assured there is some other God that we do serve. And so many times it is ourself. Let's look now at the testing in verses 7 and 8 as we look at uh, chapter 3 of Judges. Look at the crime and the punishment. You know, in a perfect world, crime is met with punishment, right? You realize with God that crime always is going to be met with punishment? It may not come until, until the judgment day, but crime is always met with the punishment, isn't it? You know, the Ecclesiastes writer reminds us that there's going to come a day when all will be judged, right? Whether we, the things we have done are, are, and all things we have done, whether they be good or bad, good or evil. The New Testament bears out the same idea that we all sit before the judgment seat of Christ. Revelation talks about the books that are open. Some, some books, the books sometimes being a reference to the books of the Bible. Sometimes those books being a reference to, uh, he mentions books being open. He also mentions what's called the Lamb's Book of Life. The Lamb's Book of Life there in Revelation. This verse is on the screen. What is that a reference to? It's a reference to a book that holds the names of all those who have been loyal to God. The names of the saved. The Lamb's, remember that name, the Lamb's, being a reference to Christ, Book of Life. Do we want to find our name there? You know, these individuals, whether they realize it or not, are striving to have their name put there or not have their name put there as well. We look at Judges chapter 3. We look at verses 7 8. Notice the testing. We find in verse 7 that they continue to disobey. And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. They forgot the Lord their God and served Baal. Or the bells and and the groves, as the King James says, there is Balaam and the groves. You think about that idea there in verse seven. They did evil in the sight of the Lord. Think about that for a second. That phrase, 
in the sight of the Lord. Does that mean that no one else's opinion matters? The only opinion matters, the only center that is true is that which is before the eyes of God. What I mean by that is this, if God says it is sin, that's all that matters. That mankind can say all that it wants, it can create all the laws that it wants, but sin remains sin so long as God calls it sin. You know what's interesting? God has never changed what is sin, has he? What he deemed as sin has remained the same. But it is an interesting look at the ideas of men. They change over time about what is right and what is wrong. It used to be back in, you can Google this, until about 1972-73 that the homosexual lifestyle was called a mental disorder. But then they changed it. They called it something a little bit different. And it wasn't really a mental disorder anymore. The idea really behind it was to kind of remove some of the shame behind it. Well, if you're doing what is wrong, what is an abomination, shame should be attached to it. But see, man has changed the standard of right and wrong, so now they want to remove some of that quote-unquote shame. But it's still there whether or not men want to accept it or not. Look at verse 8 of chapter 3 of Judges. Look what he says here. Therefore the anger of the Lord was caught against Israel, and he sold them into the hand, uh, into the hand of Chuchanish, uh, the uh, king of Mesopotamia, and the children of Israel uh, served him eight years. There in verse eight, I love those names. Served him eight years. What are they doing? They were serving their enemies. Do you think your enemy would treat you well if you served him? If you're forced into working for them, do you think they would treat you well? Pick a country around the world, you can probably think of a few who view the United States as their enemy. If you had to serve them, do you think they would treat you well? No. Why would they? You're their enemy. They want you to suffer. Do you think they were treated well in their first eight? No. Not at all. We find next their judge and their relief. You know, the chastisement and the punishment of God always has a purpose. Why do we correct our children so they can learn from it and to hopefully not repeat that, right? So they also can come back, as we say sometimes, so they can come back into our good graces, right? So we can be pleased with them. They can learn their lesson. We're pleased. They learn the lesson. They learn not to do that again, right? Look now at verses 9 through 11 of Judges chapter 3. Look what he says here. He says, And when the children of Israel cried unto the Lord, the Lord raised up a deliverer to the children of Israel, who delivered them, even Othanel, the son of Kenaz, Caleb's younger brother. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon him, and he judged Israel and went out to war, and the Lord delivered uh, delivered uh, them from this king, right there in verse 10. Uh, he delivered the king to his hand, rather, and he prevailed against them, right? Verse 11, And the land had rest forty years while that was taking place. But what would happen as you continue reading? When the judge died, history repeated itself, right? Yeah, it's round two, right? Just the same old song, second verse. Because not unlike us today, the people of Israel, particularly as they were depicting the book of Judges, were very slow learners. We can be the same way, can't we? What's interesting to think about this, you go back to verses 9 through 11, what stands out to me is the Lord heard their cry, and the Bible says there, he pitied them. 
right? And he brought them a deliverer, which tells me the Lord never intended for them to stay in that particular state. When they cried out, he sent them help. And they received help, they received a period of rest, but when that judge died, oh, how the circle started all over again. See, we as Christians today should learn from that example. We realize as we go back to chapter 2 and verse 9 that God hears the cries of man and he pities them. Go back to chapter 2 and verse 9. Now he heard their cries, right? But the problem was that when the judge died, they just become more and more corrupt. You know, the Lord hears the cries of man. The man should respond in repentance and obedience. I think we should add there the phrase, man should respond in continued repentance and continued obedience, right? Because when we, if we have a continued obedience, meaning when we sin, we continue to, we, we repent of it. You think about it, if they, if they sin against God and repented of it, will there never be a need to send them off into punishment if they repented of it in a speedily way? No. Because it would show that they had, they had recognized their error and were trying to correct it. But we find in Judges, though, is until they were cast off into some punishment, until they did that, they never seemed to really come to their senses. Do you remember the parable of the prodigal son? And how, you remember what point it was that he, the Bible says, the New King James says, he came to himself. Do you remember what he was doing? He was eating pig slop, right? The King James says he's eating, eating the pod that the pigs were, were, were eating, right? He was the lowest man on the totem pole. He was a servant. He just walked onto a farm, basically. The Bible says he joined himself to that man. And he wasn't asked to come on. He just kind of showed up one day. And as he, ate, he began to eat the slop, he came to himself and snapped out of it, right? Went back to his, to his father's house and, and repented of it. What did it take for these people to come to their senses? They had to be punished, and it took them a while, even after the punishment began. It took them some time before they came to their senses. But when they cried out to God in sincerity, God, the Bible tells us, pitied them. We think about this for a moment as we go back to, second, to Judges chapter 2, looking at verses 18 and 19. We want to remember that God is not fooled. Look at Judges chapter 2, uh, verses 18 and 19 here. The Bible says, And the Lord raised them up judges, and the Lord was with the judge, and delivered them out of the hand of their enemies all the days of the judge, for repented the Lord because of their groanings by reason of them that oppress them and vex them. So what is he talking about in verse 18? He said to the judge, what happened? They cried out. The Lord relented. That's what the word repented there is talking about. He relented. Not that he did anything wrong. But he relenting and allowed them to what? To come out of it. But look at verse uh, 19 there. And it came to pass when the judge was dead that they returned and grudged themselves more than their fathers and followed other gods to serve them and bowed down unto them. They ceased not from their own doings nor from their stubborn ways. I love the way that words that the Bible so clear sometimes is that their own stubborn ways. Sometimes we use the phrase hard-headed, don't we? I have two brothers who I love a lot. One of them particularly is very hard-headed. I'm okay with saying that because he would admit it, and so would my mother. I'll tell you that as well. 
But he was very hard-headed, in some ways still is. You know, that's not a good thing, is it? In verse 19, what was happening because of their stubbornness, because of their hard-headedness? Mm -hmm. They were going against God. We do not want to be like that. You know, God is not fooled. It's interesting that so many times we act as if, we talk as if, well, God doesn't pick up that I'm doing this. He doesn't realize I'm doing this. We act like, like for some reason we're smarter than God who created every living thing on the earth, right? Well, we're smarter than Him? No. The Bible tells us in verse 18 and 19 that He was well aware in Judges 2, 18 and 19, He was well aware what was happening, wasn't He? They went, and once the judge died, they went back to their own foolish ways. We can say, as we say sometimes, the Lord was on to them, wasn't he? He knew what they were doing. God is not full. Let us do our best to make it unmistakably clear that we serve God. That we serve God. We want to make that clear. We don't want anything called into question, do we? Because sometimes... When you have a certain thing that's unclear, when we're talking about your insurance company, you're trying to file a claim, that's a real common one sometimes. But some things are unclear. And so we start making phone calls. You know, God doesn't want things to be unclear. He wants it to be crystal clear and proven that we are followers of Him. He wants there to be no doubt. We should give no reason for God's anger to be roused against us. As we go back to uh, forward a little bit here to Judges chapter 3, looking at verse 8. In Judges 3, verse 8, what does he say here? Therefore, the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel. He sold them to the hand of who? Of their enemies. You think about that word there. The anger of the Lord was hot against Israel. You ever hear someone use the phrase that you know something happened and they just fired them up, made them mad? That's what we're reading about there, aren't we? It fired the Lord up. You know what happens when the Lord gets fired up over wickedness? Many times, people begin to die. Because the Lord is not mocked. See, mankind has a bad history of thinking that we are smarter than God. And Judges is a reminder that God continues to give man hope and give man chances time and time again. But God is not ignorant. God is not full. As we saw there in Judges chapter 2, he was well on to them, wasn't he? And so we think about this for us today. We want to make sure that our faithfulness to God is crystal clear. And if it is not... If it's something that cannot be proven, it's something that we have no evidence to show that, look, I am following God, here is what I'm doing that shows crystal clear that I am a follower of God. If we can't do that, friends, we have a problem. Because on the day of judgment, there won't be a hearing, there won't be a debate, there'll just be a judgment. Because Christ already knows exactly who we are. He knows what we stand for and what we don't. He knows who we follow and who we don't. Let's make sure when that day comes, we are ready. And our faith is crystal clear for Him.